Thank you very much. And this thing, uh, this time it's working. Yeah, I didn't screw it in right. And I'm going to give you a bonus word based on this beautiful worship right now. Um, make room. When, when, you, when God, you come, Jesus, when you come to Jesus, it's like you're a piece of wood. If you're going to make room for him, the nail comes in. If you don't take a little bit out, it'll split you. Right? You're doing everything one way, and you try to change everything without taking anything out. Any carpenters know you put that nail in the wood, it'll split. You got to drill down a little bit and get some of that old junk out. So making room, that just really hit me. So that's a bonus. No charge. No charge at all. Okay. Thank you very much. Let's get this thing going. Okay. Let's just start with prayer. Lord, thank you for this lesson. It has made a huge difference in my life this past month, and I know it will going forward, and I'm pretty sure it was meant to share. Help me do this right. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for coming. As we get moving, forgive me if it seems, I'm, I'm, if it seems that I'm sticking real close to my notes. I'm not, a, not as confident in my ad-lib abilities than the pros you're used to over here, and I don't want to screw up. But I am getting a little better, and Stan does give me an attaboy every time I do good. But as most people know, it takes about 100 attaboys to make up for one. Oh, no. He said that. So I got to be careful. I'm truly grateful for these opportunities to share some of, my, some of the stuff in my head that concerns my faith. And I believe that some of what I'm going to say is given to me from God from studying his word. I don't know where the rest is from. But the pastors, they like to write each other up here, and I'm no different. So I'm going to be, make my claim to being the oldest physically to somewhat regularly speak up here. Thank you. While also recognizing that I'm youngest spiritually by far. A man's got to know his limitations and I know mine. Pastor Stan says we aren't up here as judges. So that's great for me. There's no pressure. We're just talking up here. He says when he's up here, he likes to think of himself as a doctor. Kind of treating your ailments with years of experience. Stevie's kind of the same heart. A little less experience. Where is he? He's kind of like a male nurse. Right? He, he's speaking healing with a twinkle in his eye, and his confidence is definitely of God. But today, guys, the doctors are out, right? It's just us comparing our rashes because we all got them. You help me work out my salvation, I'll do the same for you. The series today is climate change. Okay? And studying for the subject, it's going to be amazing that bovine, from the Latin bovidae, meaning cow, found a place in this message. In fact, you may be happy, I don't know, maybe a little proud, my mom's here, she might be proud, to know that in the first couple of seconds of this message, I've checked off a bucket list item in my life. We all know that a bucket list item is something that you hope to see, do, or accomplish before you die, and I've done that right here by saying bovine, from the Latin bovidae. Because anytime you can say from the Latin, that's just so smart, man, I thank you. I, I always wanted to do it. I just always thank you for this opportunity. Okay, where were we? Really nowhere. Huh? I'm sorry. Okay, let's get serious. Serious. Cow flatulence has actually been blamed for advancing climate change. A lot of cows equals a lot of flatulence. It's methane production in the air, you understand. Bovinae are the number one source of agricultural, of the agricultural source of climate change. Number one source. Pastor Stevie's number two. Okay. <laughs> But isn't this just a case of our sin looking really bad on the cow? Don't we all humans toot? Well, 
on average about 14 times a day. So before I start getting all self-conscious with oh, well, self-righteous old Bessie, I better start looking in the mirror. And then I study and I find out it's not cow flatulence at all, but it's cows belching that slightly affect global warming. It's not the basement, it's the attic. <laughs> so unless I'm willing to pass out Tums to all the cows in Cuna, how can I help with climate change? There are the usual things you can do. You can do less driving, less aerosols. I've cut down on hairspray, you know, and just going green. You can recycle, you can repeat. But by doing all that stuff, are you just being canceled out by the burping cow across the street? He is number one, right, right Stevie? Yeah, he's, he's number two. Okay, I'm from the city. I'm not, really, I'm not originally from here, like a lot of you. And welcome to CUNA, by the way, for everybody new. When I moved to Idaho about 17 years ago, I didn't have any knowledge of farms, cattle, except how delicious they were. So one day I went to that dairy right across the street and I was checking out the cows. Some had horns, some didn't. There was a bunch of cows. So I asked the farmer why the cow I was looking at didn't have any horns. And he said, boy, there's a few reasons why a cow of mine wouldn't have horns. Sometimes they're removed so you don't injure each other in the crowdedness of the dairy. They just take them right off. Other times the, the horns are bred right out of them. They got no say. The particular one you're looking at doesn't have any horns because it's a horse, okay? So I didn't know anything about farms when I got here. Can a single person really affect climate change? I think, thank you, that's, that's good. I paid for that, okay. Can I affect climate change? I don't think so in the grand scheme of things unless others start thinking the same way I do and then a household, a city, a state, a country, a continent really starts making a difference in a global fight. So putting it that way, maybe I do think that one person needs to start. One person thinking correctly, changing his or her internal climate and immediate climate and that's adding personal responsibility to the mix. Bring the issue closer to home and removing some of those collective lessons. That's my term I made up. A collective lesson is what I think everybody thinks they know. We collectively look at climate change as to what we use um, for energy, fossil fuels, you know, natural gas, solar energy. We completely ignore how we use these resources. We just waste so much. Here again, we come with Pastor Stan's principle of what and how. What do we want to change? Climate change? Sure, I'm sure we all do. How do we get there? How do we change? That, that's the question that everybody's asking. There's arguments, right? Well, in my opinion, Convenience is the true enemy of climate change and pollution, not which resource we use. Convenience. Single-use items, shipping and fast food packaging, making everything disposable instead of reusable. That's, that's short-sighted, isn't it? Everything reusable? Who thinks they can tell me the two most found pieces of litter right now in our world? Just shout them out. Those, those were. Now it's face masks and gloves because they're everywhere in the world and they all had one use and they just get chucked. But it was bottles before that. Sometimes mimicking these corporate lessons, we may look at ourselves or others in the same way, thinking that we or they don't have any more value. That without redemption or any further use, you're no good, man. You're only good for one thing. You're wasting your time with that one. There may be times you feel disposable like this and unable to be reused. Let me tell you, you feel that way for a good reason, because people in spiritual wickedness in high places are telling you that, what you are and what you aren't, and it really ain't up to them. The creator decides what a thing was made for. 
does not the potter have a right to make from one lump of clay one vessel for special occasion and one for common use? You are what God made you. This is a big stumbling block in our world today, people. It is only for you to discover your use and what kind of lump you are, not to waste time trying to change that lump. You are what God made you. Let's do this. Let's add the true changing element to Pastor Stan's what and how. You want to change what you are doing or how you are doing it? Then more than anything, change why you're doing it. You can do the same thing for different reasons. Change why you're doing it. There is a truth thought of by another but stolen by me that says he who has a good why can bear any how. Right? In other words, and these are mine, you can go through or do anything if the why in you is strong enough. And again, don't take my word for it. Paul said it to the Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened. Not that Paul. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The what? All things. I can do anything. The how? Through Christ who strengthens me. And now we change the why instead of for a good life or this, that, for Christ because we belong to him now. In school, they make you show your work, right, Gunner? So I'm gonna break down this New Testament math right here, equation style. If you're doing it for Christ and you're doing it with Christ who gives you strength, then you will get to Christ. You'll get to where you're going, with him, for him. I'm gonna give you a little Biden here. It's so simple. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Picture in your mind what your climate is now, right now. Regardless of where in the world you are, it's livable. In 10 years, it may be more uncomfortable for some, but it's still going to be livable. I suggest that this change, although important, should not be where a majority of your energies are spent. We all need to decide on what change we're going to make, what, what climate change we're going to put our efforts into. As I just said, there's no doubt that the small temperature changes in our global environment are going to have an effect. But the effects to people are not going to be the same across the world. Some are affected greatly and even tragically, and others experience very little bad from it. Just a good day at the beach. Exactly like the coronavirus. I've been triple vaxxed and caught the vid twice. Both were minor, thanks to God for sure, and the vaccination, maybe. But others I know haven't even taken one jab, and they're more immune than me. Others have got very sick and died, so I'm not trying to downplay COVID for one second. I'm just saying that for you, climate change, as we're discussing it here, as well as COVID, may be very far from where you want or need to put all your energies. Why not put your energies into the biggest climate change that will ever happen in your life? A change that will be truly collective in the sense that every person will experience this change and we will experience it equally, equal, equal of opportunity. And we personally decide our climate. I said the change would happen in your lifetime, but more accurately, end of your lifetime, right? Hebrews 9.27 tells us it's appointed to men once to die, or to die. It's appointed, it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So now we see where I'm going with this. You're appointed. You already have an appointment to die. Time's set. And then you have a scheduled meeting with God to discuss your decision on eternal climate change. Nothing like that safety meeting Friday, you know? Your eternal climate change will not depend on the answers you give at that appointment because the it's going to count on the decisions you made or didn't make concerning Jesus prior to your appointment. 
The Bible tells us this outcome has two, only two outcomes, and each one's climate is very different. I'm not sure what words will be said at this appointment, but if I may, I took this out of the Bible from Revelations, talking to the churches, but it's very pertinent here, and that's what I want to hear. I want to hear, hear something like this. It is done, and you were right. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To you I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. You who conquered will have this heritage, and I will be your God, and you will be my son. And man, <laughs> thank you, Lord. That's it. But as I said, there are two outcomes. And if you do not hear those sweet words I just uttered, then you might hear, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Because who he is doesn't change. So you're going to hear the same thing because it's the same man telling you. Same today, tomorrow, forever. It is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. You know what you've done. And without my heritage, payment is demanded. Your portion will be in the lake that burns with fire, which is your second death. And we know what we're talking about. I'm not going to get any deeper. You could talk to Pastor about that above my pay grade. But I want you to know that no matter what your new climate is, absent from the body means present with the Lord. And that could be a real shock if you don't see it coming. Pastor Stan likes to tell of his grandma who in her excitement about her upcoming appointment, she showed up early and tried to cut the line. She was lying there, hovering above her own body, and she had to come back. And she had her own appointment, and she had to wait. But it was worth the wait, as it will be with all of us who follow him. She just got a little, you know, jumped the line a little. Say that me, absent from this meat sack, it's appointment time, and it's time to hear about my new digs or your new digs. I have a very active imagination. And like that song says, we can only imagine. And for me, that, that, therein lies a problem. I can imagine a lot of stuff. Do you know why I can imagine a lot of stuff? Because I let too much stuff in here. Way too much stuff in here. Mostly stuff I don't want in here now. And your mind is a computer. And nothing is ever really truly deleted. You know, you'll know later when it comes up at just the wrong time. Nothing's ever deleted. We can only hope to get stronger and stronger at bringing those, those thoughts into captivity of Christ. Right? So sometimes I'm a mess. I'm walking around. As, I'm a walking argument as I try to live inside this new creation he has made. And I'm arguing with myself. Or maybe him, a lot. Not about wrong or right, but about how little I fight. You know what the first thing I think of when I think of that glorious day for Christians? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What a party pooper, right? You're probably not the best thing you want the preacher telling you up here. But I tell you for a purpose. Because these thoughts and these doubts to me are very helpful. They keep me fighting for what I know God has already given me. He, he, he gave me salvation, but I still need to work out what that means to me here with fear and trembling. I can't earn what he's given me, but I can darn well act like it has value and meaning to me now. Okay, I need to confess something right now, but turn the tape off. I can't leave this room. Everybody agree? Okay. Sometimes I'm afraid to change a Christian station on the radio because I think God will get mad. You know, my faith is right up there with the best. I know what my salvation means to me in the long run, that I'm going to be allowed in heaven. I'm a child of God, that my climate's going to get better forever. But what about my climate now? Why can't I get it right? Well, I'm going to share a set of scriptures that I paraphrase to fit me. I like to do that. I call it my Bible. I change a couple of words. To, to, he's just talking to me. And, you know, friends, we don't have to get it right because he did. What we have to do is at least fail. We have to at least fail because it means we at least tried. 
Success, salvation and success don't mean it. Salvation and our salvation is through surrender to him, not through your success. Okay, after I say my thing here, you're going to have to hey, say, hi, Scott, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Scott. My name is Scott Hendricks, and I'm a Roman 7 Christian. Thanks a lot. I know that the law is spiritual, so I must be unspiritual because I can't control myself. I don't know why I did that. Because I wanted to do something else, but I didn't. Instead, I did what I said I would never do again. Now, if I do what I know is wrong, I obviously know the laws are right. But it can't be me doing it. It's like I'm helpless. I know by going to church and my actions these past 60 years that doing real good is not what I usually choose. It's because of my sinful nature. Don't get me wrong. I want to do what's right. Mm, but I can't get it right. For I don't make the good choices that I want to make. No. Usually I make the selfish, wrong choices that I've always made and keep making. Now, doesn't it make sense that if I keep doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. It's the sinful nature in me. That does it, not me. So here's what's happening. Although I want to do what's right, I want to. Evil's right here with me. I'm a Christian now, and I love and believe in God's law, but there is something else right there raging in my mind, continuing to trap me in the same old lies. What a fool. What a fool I am. Can someone save me from the sentence of death? Thank you, God, for saving me through your son, Jesus. And you know what gives me great comfort reading this? Paul wrote this in Romans, struggling with this just like me. The fact that he had known Jesus for about 23 years when he wrote this. Wasn't a new Christian. It's not like he's looking at us now saying, man, get it right. It's for every one of us. I don't care how long you've been. We want to do one thing and we do another. So let's keep, let's keep going. I myself know I'm a Christian, but my nature is still drawn to sin. Because of that, from the Latin, therefore. That's two times those who follow and are in Christ Jesus are not guilty because through Christ Jesus, you are no longer under the jurisdiction of the law of sin and death, but you're under the law of the spirit who gives life and it sets you free. And as we all know, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And there's no longer a need to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Truth is, if you're saved, it's all small stuff. Although it doesn't feel that way, granted. We've been talking mostly about a heaven issue and there are victory issues too. But let's finish up with the heaven issue first. Let's have a show of hearts as to who's saved. And if you are, and your heart belongs to God, then let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare that place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where you are, where I am, you may be also. So it's very clear to me that I belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. He's preparing a place for us so that where he is, we can be also. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven issue handled. Right? That's what we got to understand. Heaven issue handled. But then we got to keep working in this waiting. Like called in the waiting. We need to keep working and therein lies our possible victory issues. He has already won us heaven with no input from us. Now, selfishly, I want to win where I'm going to have input. That's what I want. My sacrifices will matter. I want to help him. Remember Jerry Maguire? Help me help you. You guys remember that? I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's a movie. And that's what I want to do. I want to help Jesus help me. It's, it's enough to take the grace and to thank him for salvation, but now he's saying, you know, hey, let's do it now together. So where can I help? A better marriage? That's what I want. I want Lori and I 
day by day to be better together. And it's happening. Why is it happening? It's because of him. He did it. He doesn't let me forget how much he loves me. He sent me a cheerleader. She's my biggest fan, and I'm trying to make her feel the same way. But we were completely short-sighted when we wrote that sign, when we, when we took this picture, because Scott and Lori did not always result in better together. We're not going to write in the sand what, what it meant. <laughs> Scott, Lori, and Jesus, that's better together. And it has been. It's getting better. Any of you can take this picture and make it Jesus, your name here, and without hesitation, you will be better together with him. Do I want climate change? You bet I do. I want my home, which I'm supposed to lead like Christ leads the church to have the best climate possible. I want my wife, who I'm supposed to love like Christ loved the church, to have the best husband possible. That's on me. And I got to use that New Testament math. I got to do it for Christ, with Christ who gives me strength to get to Christ. Then me and my house will be saved. The leaders of the house do what you're supposed to do, and you and your house will be saved. Okay, in order to affect our own personal climate change, now we're going to get there. We must remove these collective lessons that we have no true ability to change. Remember the belching cows, erasing all our efforts. We must replace it with personal response ability. Let's do that now. Let's remove the CL from climate change or the collective lessons we want to experience and replace it with PR for personal responsibility. And now you see we have a new direction, primate change. Primate change. <laughs> have you ever heard of somebody talking about the gist of a problem? Well, this is just what they're talking about right here. Thank you, because nobody laughed last time. I thought it was pretty good. Okay, this one's good too. You're not in sole control of the climate outside you, but you and you alone control that primate inside you. <laughs> Let's do it again. You and you, no. You're not in sole control of the climate outside you, but you and you alone control that primate inside you. And that's what we gotta know. Yeah, it was good, thanks. I'm not, there's, no more, there's nowhere else to go with that. You probably thought that I was at least spelling responsibly wrong or at least pronouncing it wrong, but I haven't been when I say responsibility. Responsibility is not something you wanna learn from me. Not when you have Stan, Stevie, and even Lonnie around, better yet. I would not care to be responsible for those results of trusting me with that. What I'm sharing with you is one of my biggest struggles. My ability to respond correctly in any situation. My response ability. That's where we're going. The ability I have for my responses and my actions to reflect who I am in Christ. Seldom happens. Well, used to. Now it always happens. No, that's not true. And I'm not talking about a hostage situation or an emergency situation, life or death. No, I'm talking about the correct response to the critical situation of my wife asking me too many questions while I'm under the gun and I'm working. Yeah. At that time, there are wrong and right <laughs> comments, responses, I assure you, and I've given both of them. And you know, right now, think about this. A reflex is a subconscious bodily response to stimuli. We tear up when something gets in our eye. We, we, we you know, plex up when something comes at our head. And then we often act as if our terrible responses are somehow reflexes that were caused by the stimuli instead of our own choices. She made me do it. I had no choice. You don't know what he's like. Those types of responses prove that we are not response-able. We are not able to adjust our responses to match who we're supposed to be in Christ. 
a Christ-loving husband, a Christ-loving wife, a parent, a kid. Instead, our responses are adjusted to match the stimuli that hits us and how it makes us feel, forgetting possibly how you're going to make the other feel. Response ability, the ability to respond. I want to leave that there for a minute to ferment. And we're going to talk a couple minutes, not too much, and we're going to talk about a couple responses in the Bible. I would like to reflect on Jesus' response to Saul and vice versa. Saul was a Pharisee who made it his own personal goal to lock up Christians. All the Pharisees were against Jesus, but it says Saul sought letters of authority that would allow him to go Christian hunting. He wasn't following, he was leading. <clears throat> this is going to be a little controversial, but Jesus was using Saul way before Paul from the get-go to further the kingdom long before the road to Damascus. What? Yeah, how can you say that? Well, I just said it. So let's go. Let's, let's talk about how I can say it. Jesus used Saul to spread the word while Saul was working to destroy the way. Acts 8 tells us that devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So Saul is already being used by God, just like Paul will be later at his worst. So maybe, just maybe, at your worst, in your worst place, before you met Jesus, he was there. He had a part that directed you. You're here, ain't you? Think about that. Let's just move on. As I said, Saul was a Pharisee and not a Sadducee. Both were rulers of the day with differing beliefs. Here's how you can quickly remember which is which. The Pharisees, like Saul, believed in resurrection, angels, and heaven, while the others did not. And that made them Sadducee. In some circles, it's a very old joke. In others, it's not. In any circle, I'm a very old joke. Okay, so that's a, just came. Thank you, Lord. Okay, that was Saul. Now let's talk about Paul. He is the preacher, formerly known as Saul. Just to prove there's nothing new under the sun, in 1993, Prince changed his name to a symbol. It's right there. He became formerly known as Prince. In the Bible, on the road to Damascus, Saul became Paul. But more important than that, he really became formerly known as Saul. Because when you think of Paul, you think of Jesus. Because that's all he was about once he met him. Christ, Lord of all. That was his response. First, Paul was known for persecuting the gospel and Jesus. Then for living for the gospel and Jesus. This was a man that was truly hot or cold. Maybe that's why he never got spit out. Okay, it's true. He also died for Christ. But by Paul's own admission in Philippians, his death was only gained for him. He learned something that I think some of us are learning. Living for Christ was going to be much harder than going back and sliding. It really isn't, but we think it is. I remember my life back then. This is not harder. <laughs> I'm skating, brother. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, well, let him tell it. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is better by far, but it is more necessary for me that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with you all for your progress and join the faith. And I say that's, that's awesome as if he had a choice, right? Jesus was calling his shots now and he wasn't letting him go anywhere. 
But man, once this guy encountered Jesus, he responded. That's what I want to do. He responded by getting busy, and roughly half of the books of Acts are about Paul's life and ministry. And if that's not amazing enough, 12 to 14 books of the 27 books of the New Testament are arguably attributed to Paul. 12 of them are, two of them are like, but I'm not going to argue that because it says, because whatever the number is, it's obvious this man was chosen of God to deliver the good news, right? Chosen, half of the New Testament. When you got saved, what were you doing at that very moment? What were you doing at that very moment? Um, I believe a majority of the people, myself included, were saved by Jesus while crying out to him. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, bottom of the rope, beginning of Christ. When Saul got saved, he was on his way to arrest Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem. Let's read it. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to, from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were in the way, that's all of us, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So who's coming for you? So Saul was saved or called while, while he was arresting Christians, while he was persecuting Jesus specifically, and he certainly wasn't seeking him. He was the cause of a lot of believer tears, death, prison of the very people now that he professed to be that may very well be why god decided a couple of things that paul was going to be his messenger to the world take the worst and make him tell your story or paul and, and that paul was going to suffer for his name saul was confronted by the very one whom he was persecuting and then he had the most dramatic response in church history i don't want the most dramatic i'll take a good one though then he had, Saul of Tarsus became Apostle Paul, a messenger of God, the most unbelievable example of faithful, joyful service in the face of fierce persecution and prison we've ever seen. I will show him what he must suffer for my name. And he did. Jesus responded to Saul and all the evil he was doing to the church while using Saul's efforts to build back better. Saul was doing damage to the church. That's true. It's true. But all the while, his actions were growing the church, and he was causing the word to be preached everywhere. And then Paul responded to Jesus by simply believing who he was, that he said he was, now that he's Paul. And once he regained his sight and his senses, this is my opinion, I think he understood that he had been in direct war with God and his Christ. He understood the magnitude of his mistake, as we all should. And the rest of his life was simply a love apology. A true apology seeks forgiveness and restoration to make good on what you damaged. I'm sorry, let me fix it for you. Jesus used the same format for many of his lumps of clay, not only for the lumps used for noble purpose like Paul. Us common lumps need to understand that Jesus can take all of our past evil, our past selfishness, our criminal history, whatever your trip is, and with him build you back better. Paul used the knowledge and citizenship of Saul, which was his past, to further the ministry of Paul, which is his future. So you got to remember this, and it has to be this order. Your past is important to your future. As long as in the future, it stays in the past. Okay? One more time. Your past is important to your future. As long as in the future, it stays in the past. Because, I want to see if I can say this. Your past comes to the future. It's not your past. It's your future. Something like that, right? It's no longer your past if you're doing it Wednesday. It's, like I said last time, it's not past, it's Monday. 
So start closing my talk with you. Let's go back to the thought of responsibility. Has it fermented a little? How do we get more responses in our toolbox? And a toolbox is something you can use. You can pull out. It's not a, it doesn't stay at the church. You have it. You hold it. So I want to get this in your toolbox. How do I keep negative or selfish stimuli I receive from controlling my responses and instead allow the fact that I am a Christian man who loves God and I'm bound for heaven to have control over my responses? That's a good question, Scott. Let me answer it. Okay, and to answer it, let's look at Paul, who again is worthy of imitation. He was warned not to go back to Jerusalem for fear he would be arrested. And he went anyway and got beat down and arrested. There was a plot to kill him. Then he appeared before Felix, and after a couple years in prison, Festus took over and pawned him off to be heard by King Agrippa and his crew. And all this time, there was never a charge against them, never a formal charge. They were hard-pressed to even come up with one. Man, if that was me, I'd be perturbed. Yeah, wouldn't you be? Yeah. So when Paul got the chance to speak, it was not out of this response to the terrible way he was treated. His response was one of a man who had all he needed to be happy and content regardless of his treatment he was and then again he was not waiting to be released from prison he was waiting for his chance to tell them about what happened to him concerning christ he was not trying to be released he was ready to preach so paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself i think myself happy king agrippa because today i shall answer for myself before you concerning all things which i'm accused of the jews which meant he gets to tell them all things about christ because that's what he's accused of think about that after prison time transfers back and forth nobody listening I think myself happy. What a response. With that kind of mindset, responding correctly can be accomplished in any situation. When it gets tough and the accusations, false or true, come. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. It's all falling apart, but I remember that I have a savior. He will never leave me or forsake me. He promised me that where, where he is, I will be also. The wages of my sin are no longer death. And now again, I thought myself happy. And that's how we use that information that we all have and say we're saved. That's fact in us, right? It's like Christianity itself. It's the opposite of popular. It goes against the normal. This is going to hurt. How many of you have seen someone think themselves unhappy or have done it yourself? Think about it for a minute. Nothing's wrong in your life. You actually have it going pretty good. Then you think yourself unhappy. You find that one stupid nugget that could be better or it's bad and you put a damper on your whole happiness and your whole family. When we could look at who we have and what we have in him and what we have coming and we can overcome those negative thoughts and those negative doubts and we can think ourselves happy in any situation. Think yourself happy. Financial, financial issues, domestic issues, primate problems. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, principality, present, future, any power, height, depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is on Christ Lord Jesus. And there you see, I've done it again. I thought myself happy. And that's how you do it. You think on, these, think on these things. The Bible tells you to think on these things. Think yourself happy. Do the math. For Christ, with Christ, and you'll get to Christ. If you decide to use this response tool that I've given you, 
Do me a favor and start from here on out. It's too hard to back up and fix old responses. The best you can do is start responding better now. Look at that special someone or look in the mirror and tell them you will respond better from now on and also tell them why. So did I give you something to think about? It's really about our responses, right? We can have all the good intentions in the world and God sees our intentions. He's not really hurt by our responses. The people around us are. That's a little extra there. That was a, that's a nugget. One final thought before one final question. And it's going to sound like a commercial, but it's the main reason we're here. The whole world's changing to 5G and changing fast. But I don't think they're changing all the Gs, are they? Aren't they just adding one? Well, when you were just 4G, what if you were gossipy, greedy, grouchy, and grumbly? Would another, another G matter, maybe goofy? But if you're God-fearing, giving, grateful, growing in the Lord, does homeboy even need another G? Right? Oh, thank you. The only way adding another G in your life will help that much is if you don't have the main G now. And here and now, you get God. So I'm going to offer you a chance to respond to him now. All eyes down, ready to pray. Seriously, are you ready to respond to Jesus? It's about responsibility. Are you able to let him accept your sin, let his blood wash you? If you are, please raise your hand so I can see you and agree with you so the church can see you. If you're on, online, it's easy. We're just going to pray together, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done. I accept your sacrifice. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. That's like the first one. Give it a hand for anybody here. There's somebody online. Um, I didn't really see very good. So I didn't want to call out. But if you did, feel free to, if you said that, or talk to somebody, get a Bible at the end. I, I couldn't really see very good out there. But we have a little time. Feel free as you slowly leave to be a part of community and shake a hand on the way out and tell them what you didn't like about the preacher or that you did like about the preacher and have something good to say, okay? Thank you very much.